when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, David. listening to just pod baby a las vegas raiders podcast brought to you by silver and black and now your host evan Grote. let's go raider nation welcome to another episode of just pod baby brought to you by silver and black today the nfl playoff picture really taking shape now but there is one team that will be left out officially now and that is the las vegas raiders after the loss on saturday night to the miami dolphins We will get into everything that went down in that crazy fourth quarter, plus much, much more tonight here on Just Pod Baby. But before we do that, don't forget about our sponsors at Manscaped.com, bringing you the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Make sure you get your hands on one of those, and you can save yourself 20% off plus free shipping with the code PODBABY at Manscaped.com. This is the week 16 recap episode of Just Pod Baby. And as we are every Monday on the recap, we are joined by co-host Mo Moten. So we'll bring him in now. Mo, I hope you you had a, yourself a, a Merry Christmas and hopefully you found some time for just a little bit of R&R. Yeah, same to you. I had some relaxation time. I, I, but I would just, just to get into it, I, I'll be honest with you in the audience. I was very disappointed Saturday. And, and I know there are a lot of tweets. I had a tweet out there that, you know, after the 19, when the 19 seconds hit and the Dolphins got the ball in that game, I kind of expected the Raiders to fall apart, but for it to happen the way it did, I'm not, a, I'm far, I'm, I don't want to say far removed from a fan, but as many know, I grew up as a Raiders fan. I, I'm a writer now, so I, that's what I identify as. So I, I've removed the emotion from this, but seeing that unfold, I, I just felt a, I just felt enormous disappointment. In the pit of my stomach, I just felt super. Just this is a team that, you know, has has. Has John Gruden, third year, well-respected head coach, and for that to happen to him on, on his watch as a guy coming back trying to save the Raiders, not save, but trying to spruce up the the franchise and bring it back to its its great ways, it was just disappointing to see that. I know it was on the defensive side of the ball, and people are going to remove that from his responsibility. But again, these these are the play. John Gruden makes the moves in that building, and and players aren't picked without. I would say. Most players aren't picked without his approval on any on any phase of the ball. So just to see this happen unfold the way it has, especially with the collapse, as a writer, I felt disappointed. So I can imagine how fans felt. Yeah, I was having a, a nice little Christmas day on Friday. I Saturday I went home and, and saw my 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 dad and my brothers. Spent the day with them for Christmas. It was a, a really good day. I was feeling really good. And then of course, <laughs> you talking about uh, a sour end to the to the night there to the whole kind of holiday wrapping it all up just 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 a terrible finish and I I wish I could say I was surprised but Mm -hmm. I'm not (laughs) you know I I, I really wasn't surprised the way things went down uh it's just after all these years of all the losing and the frustration it just wasn't a big surprise to me yeah and I think and I think that's the separation there and and like I said I wasn't surprised either because when when the Dolphins when the Dolphins are about to get the ball back I'm thinking and I shouldn't be thinking this way about a team third year under Gruden. I'm thinking, how are they going to blow this? How are they going to blow this? So again, I wasn't surprised, but I was still disappointed because you just you just expect so much more. And I, again, I just can't imagine the fans of what they've been going through over the past 
two decades and just seeing it like this and now you go from six and three and you you may finish the season below 500 if you lose in Denver next week. Can't, I can't. I just unfathomable. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it's hard to believe, Mo, that the, there's only one week, one week left in the regular season. It, it, this season has really yeah. gone by fast. Uh, although after the last six weeks that you know we've had to endure as fans, I, I certainly won't be sad to see it end <laughs> this coming weekend in, in Denver. Uh, but, but let's let's dive into it. Let's get into the recap, uh, everything that we witnessed on Saturday. Uh, as I said, I can't say that I've, I'm surprised, but or that I've seen many games end like this. I mean, think about this: all the games that you've watched in your lifetime. I can't recall too many uh, ending like this. Although I did, I did admit, and I put it out there on Twitter, and I and I told you personally that I fell asleep. I missed the last <laughs> final nine minutes live. I, I I have since gone back and and rewatched the entire game, but I want to start this this uh, conversation with with Derek Carr first. And I honestly, I wasn't expecting him to play I know that his status really improved throughout the week and I, I think you have to give credit where, where it's due uh, and despite having limited mobility at times during the game I, I thought he showed some guts by playing uh, obviously he was not 100% and he, he played well at times he, he wasn't perfect by any means but I thought that he did enough to put this team in position to win yeah absolutely I, I was a little confused after the game after what happened there are a lot of people saying yeah, get Derek Carr out of here. You know, we got to move on. And I'm thinking, I was thinking, like, what, no, what did you just not see? Like, the Raiders could have won that game had their defense not had a meltdown on that final, on the Dolphins' final possession. But yeah, Derek Carr obviously didn't have his best game. And we'll dig into that, into the third downs and the red zone struggles in a minute. But he played better than I thought he would. I, I didn't think he was going to be very mobile. I thought he was going to be very stationary. There were times where you could see he was favoring his groin. He couldn't move as we as we saw him this season. But there were times he did move very well. That rollout to the right, and he found Nelson Aguilar for 85 yards for that touchdown. You're thinking at that time, momentum is swinging in the Raiders' favor, and they can win this game. So, again, I was, I was actually impressed with what he was able to do being hurt going into that game because Ian Rappaport tweeted that his injury – would have should have taken 10 to 14 days uh to heal up and he was able to play you know early you know i, I would i would say that going into it, i was i was thinking mariota was going to either start or Carr was going to start the game and mario is going to probably finish the game because as you saw early in the game Derek Carr was taking some sacks i was thinking oh, i'm a little worried he's not going to be able to finish he keeps getting hit like this but he finished the game he got it out he had some you know he had some big plays he you know there were some misses but all in all, I think his performance was solid. And as you say, was good enough for the Raiders to win it. But they didn't. Yeah, and I, and I also did see a lot of the critics were out in full force, you know, putting the loss on Carr. I, I you know, I, I disagree with that. Um, as I said, was he perfect? No. But when you look at the circumstances, you talk about the injury and the fact that many of us didn't think he would even be around to play this game. Uh, he went out there through for 336 yards with with a touchdown pass. He had the the rushing touchdown where he jumped over the pile, and you talked about the big play with 337 left in the game. Uh, that was a huge play in the game. And, and what I really loved about that play in particular was, you know, despite 
having the mobility issues. He was able to maneuver the pocket. He he got outside the pocket a little bit, extended the play, and made something happen when they needed it badly. And, and that's been something that I've been very tough on Carr about throughout his career. Um, but but he showed me something on that play. So I you know again I want to give him credit. Now while I disagree that uh, the people out there were blaming him for the loss. Um, I do think there is an area where if you're looking to criticize Carr and the offense, and you can include Gruden in this, uh, and you alluded to this just a minute ago, I think we should look no further than the struggles that the team had in the red zone once again, as well as uh, the third down offense, which was 0 for 10. Absolutely. And and I've been back and forth with people on Twitter and some people that I, that I usually converse with on Twitter and we usually see eye to eye and some of them just don't see eye to eye with me on this. And I, I, I just feel like the Raiders offensive struggles obviously are not as glaring as the defensive side of the ball what's going on that side. But I, I think it's important to note this. And you said over 10 on third downs, I would say one for three on in the red zone, excluding the one intentional possession where Josh Jacobs intentionally slits. I didn't count that. Overall, they were one for four in the red zone, but I say one for three because the Raiders wanted to actually not score on that one. So if you're looking at the 0 for 10, I, I charted the the third downs. I just before we got on, I was just looking at what happened on these third downs. And it's it's a lot of sack, not a lot, but there are sacks in here. There are two consecutive third down uh, third down plays that baffled me. And they're both throws to Jason Witten, which was which was the thing in itself during the game. A lot of people are commenting, you know, why is Jason Witten get, getting so many looks in this game? And I can't even answer that question. Um, Jason Witten is, is, to me, is going to retire at the end of the season, and he should. And I just don't get why on these third down plays, maybe he's the guy that's open and cars is throwing to the open man. But Jason Witten, to me, shouldn't even be on the field on third down if you're going to throw it. Put Foster Moreau out there, and I know Foster Moreau had an ACL tear last year, and I think that's part of why he didn't get a lot of snaps early in the season. But now that he's a year removed, I would prefer Foster Moreau on the field than Jason Wynn on these third down plays. But Jason Wynn got two looks on third down, one on third and one, which I don't understand because the weakness of the Dolphins' defense is their run defense. And the Raiders had some success running the ball. On a third and one, you go to Jason Wynn on a play action. What is that about? You know, like, so it's ridiculous. Down, it's yeah, ridiculous. The, the, the third down <laughs> it's absolutely decisions. ridiculous. I have some thoughts on this. I'm going to share them with you a little bit later on, but you're right on the money. Keep going. Yeah. Like, so, so to me, you know, there are certain situations where Carr couldn't evade a defender. I think it was the guy's name was um, Alex v- Van Ginkle. <laughs> yeah. He was filling in for Shaq Lawson. Yeah. yeah. He, he was filling in for Shaq Lawson, who was out and sat Carr, I think, a couple of times. And there were times when he, you know, he was just able to get around an offensive lineman and get the sack. He gets credit for that. But the two passes to Jason Wynn on third down, um, it just on one situation, Carr did overshoot Aguilar. I think on the first uh, third down situation, Carr overthrew Aguilar, so I get it. On one third down, the Raiders, um, I believe there was a there was a sack. That Van Kinkle guy got a sack, and then they run with Richard, who runs for 18 yards, but it was sh- just short, so they kicked the field goal. To me, it's like, why don't you just throw it there? You know, Give yourself a chance to at least convert, but they ran it. Richard got the 18 yards just short, but again, I would have thrown the ball, but again, it's just certain situations the Raiders – 
you know, personnel was questionable. And at times you saw where Carr just wasn't 100%. So I think a combination of both led to some struggles on offense, particularly on third down in the red zone. So there, there you go with the offense. But you could share your thoughts on the whole Witten thing. I, I was baffled, but he got five targets on Saturday. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, we'll, we'll get into it now. I was going to save that for a little later on, but we'll just we'll just hammer that part out now. I mean, first of all, it's 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 about the five targets to Witten, but it's also about it's also about the lack of snaps for Foster Morrow. Only two snaps mm. on Saturday. I'm pretty sure. I think I'm pretty sure I saw that two snaps. Um, and Henry Ruggs. I'm going to go back to this. I know I've been beating this, you know, like a drum, but I'm I'm going to stay on that. Why is Jason Witten getting five targets and Henry Ruggs getting two. I, I just don't understand it. It makes absolutely no sense to me. And, and and this is on Gruden, if you ask me. It's on Gruden. Say what you want about Witten as a blocker. There's no reason for him for him to be playing more snaps than than Morrow. He he Morrow is a, a young player. He needs the reps. Um, he's the future. At, him and and Waller are the future at the position. Not Witten. This season is this season is lost. Why why are you still continuing to play Witten? Let's get Morrow out there. See what he has. I just don't get it. Um, and then you talk about the targets, um, you know, five targets to Witten. Henry Ruggs getting two targets. I know I know the rap out there in Ruggs. He needs to develop more as a route runner. Uh, that is on him. But but to not be involved in, in the offense, that's on Gruden. That's an embarrassment. And I don't care. Everyone out there wants to say, oh, he's drawn the attention of the defense. I, I don't care about, I don't want to hear that anymore. I mean, Tyreek Hill, he draws a lot of attention too because, you know, he he's one of the fastest players in the league as well. He draws plenty of attention. There's a lot of great receivers out there that draw attention. But you know what? They're still being productive with their receptions, with their yardage. So why is it that Gruden can't figure out ways to get his guy the ball? Uh, he's not the only one out there that draws attention. Am I am I crazy, or, or do I make some sense there? No, you're, you're absolutely not crazy. We're going to get into Ruggs probably a little later because Gruden had some interesting comments today. Yeah. But just to pull it back to Jason Witten, I was I was one of the people that was okay with the Raiders signing Jason Witten because I felt like he could you know he can help further polish. Uh, Foster Moreau, and and even if Darren Waller needed some pointers about being a great tight end and just rounding out his skill set, I was fine with that because we all know Darren Waller is great at, at catching the ball. But you know, tight end is more than just catching; you got to be able to block and all that stuff. He's a decent blocker, but I felt like Jason Wynn could add to that locker room. I don't want Jason Wynn on the field on third down, though. <laughs> like I would prefer, no. I would prefer Foster Moreau out yeah. there yeah. because, as I said, I believe Jason Wynn is going to retire when the season's over. So he's he's basically to me, he's out the door. He, he had a one year deal, and he's gone. But just the personnel decisions there are just baffling. And and again, Carr's just going to try to throw to the open man, but. Jason Witten ain't it. Just it, it, he just wasn't. It, again, it just mind-boggling how they could put him on the field in crucial situations when you have so many other options, better options to throw to. Yeah, and we better not see him on the field uh, uh, this weekend. I mean, why would you play that guy this weekend? Like you said, he most likely he's this is it for him. He's going to retire. Mm-hmm. Why would you continue to play him unless there's some sort of injury that we're not aware of tomorrow? Why are you Why are you going to continue to run Witten out there? It, would, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But I want to get back uh, to the third downs. I always talk about the, I talk about it a lot on on the show here. The importance of third downs, whether you're on defense or offense. Um, and the sad part about 
what happened on Saturday night was that the defense was actually pretty good on third down. They were they were five of fifteen uh, on on third down efficiency on defense, so they actually did a decent job overall. Uh, but I do think that was one of the biggest storylines in this game, as well as we touched on the lack of touchdowns and having to settle for field goals uh, on on those occasions. But um, in regards to the the red zone offense, I want to talk a little bit more about that specifically. Last week, you you did a piece for for the website silverandblacktoday.com, uh, where you talked about wanting to see. Mariota still involved. He not necessarily mean he has to start, but just getting him involved with some packages, you know, near the red zone, preferably near the red zone. And I totally agree with you. I think that's what we should have seen more so this week. We or last week, I should say, we didn't see that. I don't understand how this guy who uh, is considered a great offensive mind, Gruden, just continues to struggle designing quality plays in those situations. I I, I just don't understand. Yeah, Twitter wanted me uh, carried out on a stretcher after I suggested that because people read it as, oh, you want Derek Carr benched. Oh, you want Mariota to start. Oh, you want Mariota to be the future. And I'm like, no. No, absolutely not. I'm just saying that after the performance he put together against the Chargers and the and the point that he can force the defense to be honest, you can use that. Like you can actually you can you can use him as a Taysom Hill like character or or Jacoby Brissett like uh figure in that offense with the close to you. Sometimes if you have a quarterback who's mobile and who has ball carrying skills and you need a boost in the red zone, you need an extra wrinkle, you want to throw something at defense that they're not expecting, you throw Mariota out there. And Gruden said, well, you know, teams will be expecting Mariota to be, you know, to do certain things when he gets on the field. Yeah, but he can throw and he can run. And he's a better thrower than Taysom Hill or Jacoby Brissett. I'll give him that. I mean, he's not a better thrower than Derek Carr, but He's a threat with his arm and with his legs. So when you put him out in the field, defenses, yeah, they know that he's a dual threat, but they're not, they're not expect they don't know what to expect, whether it's a pass or a run with him, because you can do both very well with him in, in a short in a short space, in a, in a confined space. But Gruden decided not to use Mariota at all. And I listened to his press conference today. It doesn't look like he's going to use Mariota. And the next week he said, we'll see as far as if they'll have packages for Mariota. And my thing is, if you're going to do that, if you're going to have packages for him, you should have used it on Saturday. Why, why save it to the last week? Because to me, what the Raiders can do with the salary cap dropping is they could have boosted Mariota's trade value by putting him in certain packages and showcasing that he's healthy because that's been the knock on him is that he can't stay healthy. And I know people criticize his accuracy, his, you know, he's not really good at practice and what have you. But one of the main things about Mario is can he stay healthy enough to be a starting quarterback in the league? And just to put him out there because he came to the Rays with a shoulder injury and an ankle injury, I believe. Then he went on IR because of a pec injury. You put him out there to show, hey, he's healthy. You know, he's ready to play. If you if you want a backup plan at quarterback, if you just want someone you can, you don't have to play starter money to, but could be a starter if you have an injury, you can call us for Mariota and he's ready to go. And the Raiders chose not to showcase him, even with Derek Carr hampering. We again, we saw Derek Carr on certain plays is favoring his groin. I think there were certain situations, especially in the red zone, you could have plugged in Mariota and said, you know, we're going to run these RPOs, you can run a bootleg. So many things you could have done. Gruden, being an offensive mastermind, he's supposed to be supposedly. You would think he can use a guy like Mariota in his dual threat, and we didn't see it. And I was disappointed in that. Yeah, and if nothing else, at least you're giving. 
something else for that defense to have to prepare for. I mean, even if even if you show it once, I mean, it, it's something that you put on film. Teams have to account for that going forward. It just gives them something else to think of or, or to prepare for. And uh, one last thing on the red zone, as much as the offense has improved this year, because I do think they have, they've, they've made great strides. The red zone continues to be a problem. It was a problem last year, and it, it's something else. They just they got to look to continue on uh, going into next season. Now, while we're on the topic uh, of Gruden, let, let's, let's go ahead and talk about you know, his big decision uh, that he made at the end of the game. Some people want to criticize him for it. Some people, you know, agree. They, they see where he's coming from. Let's get into that a little bit. He played for the field goal. He opted to take the 25-23 lead, uh, kick the field goal with 23 seconds left on the clock, and that left the Dolphins with zero timeouts at the time rather than go ahead and get the touchdown to give them a 29-23 lead. If he had opted to go for the two-point conversion, that would have given them a 30-23 to lead. And the Dolphins at that point would have had a little over a minute, I think a minute and a half, um, on the clock, but it would have forced them to score a touchdown to win rather than just needing a field goal. What are some of your quick thoughts on, on that call? Obviously, in hindsight, we know how it all worked out, but do you think it was the right one? Two things here so that people don't misunderstand me. One, I understand Gruden's thought process. He didn't want to give the Dolphins a lot of time because the Dolphins had went down the field with Miles Gaskin on, I believe, a 59-yard reception where Raquan McMillan missed a tackle. I get it. So you didn't want to give the Dolphins a lot of time uh, to score. So I understand the thought process. But me, being the person who has a killer instinct, I haven't killed anybody, just putting that out there. <laughs> but if you if you have a killer instinct, you you your instinct is to score. Score the football. And I think Josh Jacobs had a tweet um, that he deleted. I'm not sure if it was real or not, but you guys can check that out on Twitter. But um, I believe he wanted to score, and I, and I believe that the Raiders should have scored the touchdown there. And people say, well, you're going to leave about a minute for Ryan Fitzpatrick, who had been playing better than Tua in the, in, after taking over. And I say, you're right about that. But it wasn't like Ryan Fitzpatrick came out there and he was Patrick Mahomes all of a sudden. The Raiders, to me, had shot themselves in the foot on those defensive drives. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick's first drive, the Raiders, actually, the defense held up. People say, well, Ryan Fitzpatrick missed on a couple of throws, and I get it. But still, whatever the case may be, the result was that the defense held and the Dolphins had to kick a field goal on Fitzpatrick's first drive. As I mentioned, uh, Ray- Rayquan McMillan overall had a decent night, but he missed a crucial tackle, which led to a touchdown for Miles Gaskin, I believe, a 59-yarder. So, again... Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't march his offense down the field. The Raiders made a great mistake. Well, I should say McMillan made a big mistake, and he like basically allowed a touchdown with his missed tackle. He whiffed on that. And then, of course, on the last pos- on Fitzpatrick's last last possession was Arden Key's uh, face masking penalty, along with Damon Arnett's brain fart on his coverage assignment. So again, I- as I said, it wasn't as if Ryan Fitzpatrick pulled out the the surgical shears and started just carving up the Raiders defense. I, I believe I would have I would have scored the touchdown. And who knows, you go for two and maybe you get the two point conversion and you're up by seven. So even if the Dolphins score that touchdown on the ensuing drive, you go to overtime. At the end of the day, you you're you're trying to get to nine and seven. And your playoff hopes are just about evaporated anyway. They had a 1% chance of making a playoffs. What do you have to lose? I, I don't get Gruden just being conservative and playing the, the the long game and being careful with everything. I understand you want to win at the end of the day. 
but you don't have much at state as far as at stake as far as playoffs are concerned. What do you have to lose? Go for it. You know, I mean, and just inject some incitement excitement there. I just want to go back to really quick. Remember when JDR um, took over in his second year in 2016, that first game against the Saints? Oh, yeah. He, he set the tone for that season when he went for two against yep. the Saints. Now, I know the circumstances said that your defense isn't playing well. Why not go for two? But guess what? He went for it. I guarantee you that in that same situation, Gruden kicks the extra point and they go to overtime. But no, JDR goes for two. And to me, that set, this, that set the tone for the entire season and also told the players, I believe in you. Yeah, our defense stinks, but I believe in my offense and I believe that we can score at will when we need to. And I believe that Gruden sets the opposite tone. He sets the opposite message and he says, I don't believe in my offense. I don't believe in my defense or my offense. I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to kick these field goals. I'm going to kick these extra points. I'm not going to score. I'm going to try to milk clock. I'm going to do all these things. And guess what? It leads to losses anyway. So to me, at this point in the season when you can only go nine and seven, why not go for the kill? Why not go for all the glory? You don't have much to lose I anyway. So to me, I, I didn't like the call. I understood what he was trying to do, but I didn't like the approach. Yeah, well, well said. And I, and I agree with you. I would have liked to seen Jacobs run it in there for the touchdown and, and, and make them score, make them score. And uh, I'm sure you heard Gruden's post-game press conference. I'm not sure if all of our listeners there uh, did, but uh, he was asked about the thought process that went into the decision. And I do have that audio. Let's take a quick listen at what he had to say about that decision. Well, we did that against Kansas City. Honestly, we scored with a minute 15 left, and Mahomes went down and beat us. And we felt the play uh, was to eliminate all the clock and all the timeouts and put them back with uh, uh, their back against the wall with 19 seconds left. I don't regret it. I didn't want Fitzpatrick to have the ball. He was uh, doing a good job in the second half. I didn't want him to be in a four-down situation. Uh, he's a gunslinger. He was hot. That's all I can say. I don't regret it one bit. I just regret the results. Now, I, I have to admit, I, I, like you, I, I do I do see the logic. After you, mm-hmm. you know, have, I've had a couple of days to think about it. Uh, I've listened to Gruden's uh, response and his thought process. 19 seconds, no timeouts. Dolphins needing to go 50-plus yards to get into field goal range. Even as bad as the defense had been playing, I mean, you, you're not thinking that you're going to have um, – a face mask penalty, and that your your defense, your corner is going to totally forget his assignment and, and totally forget about how to play defense. You're thinking they're going to keep everything in front of them. They may catch a pass. Time will run out. The game would be over. And I, like I said, I wish I could tell you that I'm surprised by how this game ended and and, and what went on, but I'm not. But uh, I do understand what Gruden was thinking. I would have played it differently, like you said, and gone for the touchdown. But I, I, I really can't. I can't crush Gruden for that. I know a lot of people are out there. I can't do that. Um, I, I think what the bigger problem here is with 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 this situation is what happened following Carlson's field goal, which put them up twenty five twenty three, and uh, we, we we alluded to it. What is Arden Key and Damon Arnett doing? Talk about lack of situational awareness by both players. I want to start with Arden Key here. And I understand that Key and I don't want to you know, I don't want to crush this guy, but he hasn't made a play in 3 years. Can you think can you think of one big time play that he has made since he's been with the Raiders cuz I can't. I really can't. The best thing Key has done this year was play the spy role on Patrick Mahomes in oh, that right, first right. Raiders win over the Chiefs. He got a lot of credit for that and he deserves credit for that. But when it comes That's to true. sacks, 
the Twitter, the Twitter people, the Twitter, the folks on Twitter are calling him almost Arden Key because that's what he's been. That's <laughs> yeah, what he's yeah. been this season. He's always almost there, and that dates back to when uh, Breston Buckner was a defensive line coach for the Raiders. He would say Arden Key could have had so many sacks, but he, you know, he just didn't have a quick step here, didn't make the right move there. But with a couple of tweaks, he could be an impact player, and we, you just haven't seen it. And Arden Key, like. It, comes up in that in that play with the face mask and it's a double it's a triple whammy in a sense because there are just so many mistakes on that one play but Arden Key started off with that face mask and and it just I'm just thinking you you have to know the situation you have to know what you're doing you have to know you have to be aware of your body your movements and the Raiders just don't have that with the young players right now and and I know young players are usually reserved for you know first and second year players Arden Key's in his third year so he should know better but uh, it, again, just a just a huge mistake in situational football. But this has just been the story of the Raiders' twenty twenty season. Yeah, uh, and you got me thinking about Arden Key and almost Arden Key. You remember a couple of years ago when it was the off season and Paul Gunther was talking about, well, you know, Arden Key almost had nine sacks this year. He almost did. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like okay, <laughs> that tells you all you need to know about Paul Gunther. <laughs> he's uh-huh. he's talking about almost sacks. <laughs> Anyways. Um, you know, I understand Key was he was desperate to make a play. I get it. You know, he was just trying to make something happen. But, you know, when you grab the quarterback's face mask like that and, and nearly rip his damn head off, I mean, did you see a Fitzpatrick head was turned around? I mean, the, these players know how protective they are of quarterbacks. Let, you know, if they see a hand near the helmet, they're going to throw that flag. You know, anytime the quarterback is touching the head, they're, they're, they're going to throw that flag. I, I just don't get it. It just wasn't a smart play. And then to make things worse, Damon Arnett, he decides I'm going to go protect the flats, right? He's going to play the flats, the short, the short throws. And there's not, there's not even anybody there. He just lets his guy run right by him. Uh, nobody in the flats. I don't get it, Mo. You can call it lack of awareness, maybe some lack of coaching. I know the the secondary coach, uh, Jim O'Neill. He was on. He didn't. He wasn't at the game because he's got COVID, I guess. Um, I don't know if it's one or the other, or if it's both. Maybe it's a combination of just a young player making a foolish mistake, or if he's not being coached up enough. I don't really know what it is. I do know one thing: it's awful to watch, and it cost the Raiders the game. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I will say this. Gav highlights the need of a specific quality in a defensive coordinator once they hire one. And that's the te- being able to teach because sometimes I'll say this, I've played sports, obviously not on a professional level or, a, you know, collegiate level or anything like that, but I've played sports. And sometimes when you're in the heat of the moment, you forget things. You're just, you, you blank out, you know, you're just, you're just playing the game and you're just not, you're not thinking things through all the way because everything is a split second decision. So when you have a good teacher, a good, you know, a good coordinator, He's probably in that huddle saying, look, I know this is what's the call. You guys understand what the call is, but this is what you do. This is what you should be doing. This is what you should, you should be doing. And it goes back to just basic teaching. Even when you're teaching students, you're constantly reminding them what they should be doing. And sometimes students roll their eyes like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But you know what they don't do? They don't make that mistake if you keep reminding them. And I think that's what the Raiders needed as a defensive coordinator. They need a teacher. They need someone who's going to be there to, to drill certain things into them. I think – Rod Marinelli alluded to this in his press conference that sometimes you have to drill on certain points, on certain facets of the game. And it's not to say that these players are low IQ, but when you're in the heat of the moment, sometimes you just have these memory lapses and you forget what you're supposed to be doing or your assignment. And sometimes your instincts take over and those sometimes aren't the best instincts. And 
I think with a, a defensive coordinator who's a teacher at heart, these young players will, will learn and they'll, I don't want to say change their instincts, but their instincts will improve over time in certain situations where they won't make these big errors because it was Arnett Saturday. And if you remember with, when the Raiders lost to the Chiefs in that second game, it was Abram evacuating his zone and letting go of an easy touchdown, stepping up to, to defend Patrick Mahomes from running. And he gives up an easy one to Travis Kelsey. So again, with those two young players, I think it's just instincts took over and weren't, they weren't the best instincts, but with, if you drill certain things into them, they'll it'll eventually stick to them and they will remember. They won't forget because they'll be reminded over and over and over again. This is what you do. This is what you should be doing. This is where you should be. This is where you should be covering. This is where you should be standing. This is where, you know, this is your assignment. This is your key here. If you keep reminding these young players, they will eventually pick it up and it will become second nature to them. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're hundred percent right. Uh, did, did you hear Carr after the game? He said, uh, possibly one of the toughest losses he's had in his career, seven years. And, uh, you know, he's been involved in plenty of, of tough seasons and hard losses with this organization. So to hear him say that, you know, shows you how really how, how tough it was to just, I'm sure it was, you know, tough on him because, you know, he did show the guts to play injured and he, he led them on that scoring drive there to uh, what, what he thought was the go ahead scoring drive. And uh, it wasn't to be, but um, you know, uh, these are just the things that we continue to see with this organization. They they continue to find ways to lose games, and it's it's frustrating, especially these last two seasons when things looked like they were they were on track at, at six and four and six and three at one point this season, only to finish possibly seven and nine uh, in both seasons, maybe maybe eight and eight uh, if they can get a win uh, against Denver. You know, this really week. really quick, I just want to remind people. And we just talked about Abram and Arnett and their and their issues um, with discipline. Just keep in mind, neither player has played 16 games yet. That's true. So just just still keep a young that in mind. team, still a young team. You know that's true. So I teach teaching a teaching and a defensive coordinator is in, is very important for this young defense because they've got a lot of guys who haven't had a lot of experience, and with experience, I think they can still get better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and Mo, you know, I'm looking at my notes here. There's one thing that I, I, I skipped over and I want to go back to. I'm sorry that we're kind of going off topic here, but um, it, it kind of goes back to rugs. I know we I, I touched on rugs a little bit earlier and how disappointed just his usage. I've been disappointed all season with his usage. Um, and, and Gruden talked about that today. He was actually asked about the the you know why is it that Witten is getting uh five targets and, and Ruggs is getting two you know and, and he addressed that and he says well you know um Ruggs has got to do more with his opportunities he, and he kind of put it on Ruggs he also said that uh you know Ruggs has been sick for the last nine days we didn't know if we were going to have him things like that but uh, going back to the the red zone struggles and, and how it relates to rugs we talked about a package for Mariota in the red zone what about something with rugs as well uh, I know teams aren't doing this as much nowadays it was more popular a few years ago but let's see Jacobs line up at quarterback let's see a little wildcat put put rugs in motion with some of those jet sweep uh, actions uh, you know with with with, with maybe um, you know some some giving him the ball around the end or, or faking it to him and just using him in other ways like that I mean I, I think that would be another creative way to uh, to to get some things going in, inside the red zone. What do you think about that? Yeah, I I agree with you, but unfortunately, Gruden doesn't just doesn't seem to 
wants to dig in his creative bag with Henry Ruggs. And I don't know if it's because he just doesn't have enough faith in Ruggs or what's going on there. And we talked about this before we got on air. He he just doesn't seem particularly happy with Henry Ruggs right now. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe I'm reading too much into his body language. But all throughout the season, he's been putting the responsibility on Ruggs to do better on his end. Early in the season, he said uh, Ruggs has to do better to win his one-on-one matchups. Today, he says Ruggs has to do more with the targets that he does receive. And I will say, Ruggs hasn't had more than five targets in a game. He hasn't had more than three catches in a single game. And I, and I would say, if you want a young player to grow, you got to give him some opportunities. You got to give him some, I mean, more than five targets. I mean, I, it feels like Ruggs hasn't been as active since week one when he got five targets and I believe a half he got hurt. So he wasn't as active in the second half of that Panthers game. But it seemed like they they had schemed up some things for Ruggs. And it seemed like Ruggs was going to have a productive year because he was getting a steady flow of targets. And after that, it just seems like he's fell off the map. He's just the guy that's going to be a decoy and open up things for others. And that's that's cool and everything. And you ranted about that and you do a lot on the show. And I totally get it because <laughs> I, I I had the same reaction as you is if you pick a guy 12 and I know I mean, Ruggs you got to utilize him. I'm sorry. Right. Ruggs didn't actually be picked 12. I get it. So it's not his fault. But when you pick a guy that high, you have to have more plans than that for him. And, and it's just yeah. disappointing to see that he hasn't even been getting enough targets. And just to say he needs to do more of the targets he's getting, he's only getting three to five per game now. So I don't yeah. I don't know what Gruden is expecting from. Yeah, and and obviously we understand the emergence of Nelson Aguilar that has right. a, a that has that has really affected Ruggs's role. Nobody expected uh, Aguilar to do what he has done this season. Uh, another huge game for him the other night, 155 yards and the touchdown. He now uh, has tied his career high of touch uh, touchdowns with eight, and he's got a new career high with 839 yards receiving this year. He's been he's been a great find, and I do hope they extend him here shortly because I think the, the longer this thing goes on, maybe the more money he, he it could cost them. But uh, getting back to Rugs, you know, I, I see Hunter Renfro catching these short screen passes all the time. It seems like at least twice a game, they run a, a quick screen to Hunter Renfro. And and nothing against Renfro, I like him, but I'd like to see maybe Henry Ruggs catch one of those. Or even Brian Edwards. In fact, I think Brian Edwards did catch a, a little like uh, little swing route where you know he caught the ball, made a guy miss, and, and, and ran for a first down. But, I mean... You got to get some of these young guys involved, and I think at this point in the season, it's not going to happen. But next year, this is something you got to see Gruden doing a better job of. You've got two really talented young young receivers who won the job out of camp. I mean, Edwards and Ruggs were both starting coming out of training camp, and if you want to include a third young talented guy in there, you got Foster Morrow. It's on Gruden to find ways to get these guys touches and and leave them or, or have them all you know complement this offense and, and just he's got to utilize the full weaponry that that he has you know at his disposal so that that's just the way i see it but i do want to move on to our our final topic here um real quick there was a, a period in the game um it was late in the third quarter and it extended into the beginning of the fourth quarter the raiders were leading 16 to 3 at the time the defense had forced two punts and, and got the ball back to the offense who did nothing with those opportunities. And we've beat up on the defense plenty on this show all year long. We, we beat up on them a lot. Uh, they've been a major problem this year and rightfully so. But uh, 
this one, I, I think, you know, the offense didn't do enough with those opportunities. The, the, um, again, the defense got the ball back to them, but they stalled out and, and punted the ball back to the Dolphins on, on both of those occasions. Um, that's just not good complimentary football, and it's been an issue this year. The few times the defense did do their job, the offense couldn't take advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I in our notes, I mean, I... I've tweeted about this and I I've tried not to hammer it too much because obviously we know that the defense has glaring issues, but, and I've said this on, on this show, I said it on silver and black today with Scott and Q the Raiders are a bottom team in red zone offense. They are, they are 25th right now in red zone offense. And I get it. The defense is poor and you got You got to overcompensate. You may try to overcompensate and stuff like that, but the offense is 25th in, in TD scoring in the red zone. And I just just really quick, people are saying, well, you know, defense this and Gruden has to do that. And again, overcompensation. You have people will agree with me when I say this. This is one of Carr's best years, right? Some people call him the top 10 QB. Absolutely, Some, Absolutely one of his best years, yep. They, they were saying there was, there was MVP chatter. Even though I didn't agree with it, there was MVP chatter early in the season after he beat the Chiefs. You have a Pro Bowl running back in Jacobs. You have a star tight end, Darren Waller. You have a veteran who we just talked about, Nelson Aguilar, who exceeded expectations as a number one receiver in that in that offense. You got one of the best slot receivers in, in Hunter Renfro. And Green is supposed to be one of the brightest offensive minds in the NFL. And you're telling me at your 25th in red zone scoring. Let me just list a couple of teams, a few teams that are higher than the Raiders in red zone scoring. The Denver Broncos, the Washington football team, the Miami Dolphins, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Chicago Bears. By the way, I've watched all of these offenses, even Miami's, and in certain times they look awful. But they're all better than the Raiders in red zone scoring. Tell me how do you have all that talent in that Raiders offense, but you're not better than those teams when it comes down to a crucial, critical uh, situational football um, um, scenarios in the red zone. When you when you're in striking distance and you have to close the deal and finish these drives with six instead of three, how are you 25th behind those teams with all of that talent? And that's all I'm saying. Again, I'm not saying this is a bigger problem than the defense. I'm not saying this is the number one issue going into the offseason. But it is a big issue when you have all that talent and you're not squeezing enough uh, touchdowns out of your offense with with all those players, with everything that I just said you're in the bottom fourth in red zone scoring. To me, it's not the biggest problem, but it's a critical issue. Yeah, and, and real quick, you, you put out a really good tweet on Sunday, um, and I don't know, I don't remember exactly the word for word what you said, but basically what you said was, because the defense has been so bad, everyone, of course, wants to point the finger at the defense, but oftentimes people overlook the inefficiencies that the offense has had. And, and, you know, it's not, it doesn't always have to be one or the other. There could be multiple issues wrong with the team. And and I think that's the case here. We don't have to dissect one problem at a time. It's not like we have to go into this all season and say, let's focus only on the, only on the defense. And then in 2022, we can just focus on the offense. Like, no, we could put all the Raiders issues on the table and we can discuss them because guess what? We're going to have a bunch of mock drafts for three, four months. We're going to have a bunch of articles on the Raiders free agent wish, wish list. And guess what? Most of those players on those mock drafts and wish lists will be defensive players. So we'll have plenty of time to talk about the defense. But it seems to me people want to defend their favorite player or, the, or their beloved coach. And they don't want to talk about the offense. And I will say this. The Raiders are 7-8 and eight right now. But 
I can go back to the last two games and I can say if the Raiders had been better in the red zone, they could have beat the Chargers because they could have won that game in overtime with a touchdown instead of kicking the, a field goal. If they were better in the red zone against the Miami Dolphins, guess what? That touchdown by that 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 play by Jacobs could have been a touchdown and not a nail for a field goal. They would have been up by two scores. So just those two games alone, the last two games alone, if the Raiders were better in red zone offense, they'd be nine and six right now. Now that's probably not, that may not be good enough for the playoffs, but guess what? You would have had a chance to still have a 10 win season just by having a better red zone offense. And that's nothing to do with the defense. If they had just scored and made the best of the opportunities, they would have had a much better record right now, but they don't. And it's because of, of an offense that to me it's just they're just not getting enough. I don't want to say not getting enough, but it could be better. There's room for improvement. It doesn't have to be. I'm not saying it has to be perfect. I'm not saying they have to score on every drive, but they could be better than 25th in red zone scoring is all I'm saying. Yep. The, the voice of reason. That's why I call you the voice of reason <laughs> among Raider nations. But uh, hey, the good news, Mo, there's only one game left. There's only <laughs> one game left. So we don't have to go through this torture much longer. But uh, as always, thanks for hopping on with me, Mo. You, you, you love your insight and you, and you do a great job as always. Appreciate it. I hope it's going to be a good new year. Hopefully we can uh, see the Raiders finish the season with a win. Uh, again, we'll see. But We'll give you guys great content regardless, win, lose, or tie. You got that right, Mo. We're always trying to bring the best content we can for our listeners. And one thing that you guys can always expect from us here on Just Pod Baby is honest opinions. We're not going to sugarcoat it. We're going to be objective about all things Raiders. That's just what we do. All right, guys, that is going to do it for this week's recap episode. And I will talk to you guys in a couple of days when we preview the final game of the 2020 season. Can't believe it's here. All right, for my co-host, Mo Moten, I am Evan Grote, and as always, just win, baby.